Welcome to night two of our PAX 2013 coverage for Casually Hardcore, live on Alpha Greek Radio, or live-ish. We're live right now, but we're not really live when you guys will be hearing this. We're alive. We're sort of, yeah, technically. Uh, also streaming on vtwproductions.com, I'm Grail. I'm Dexa. And I'm Andre. All right, and we are here for day two coverage. Uh, wrap-up coverage of all the things we see, saw, did, experienced, lived through today. Yes. And we started off late today because we had a really long day yesterday. Yeah. It was really long because of people having too much to drink at Triwizard. Oh, it wasn't really long because of that. Well, it was pretty long for some of us because of that. (laughs) Others, not so much, but it was definitely a long day. So yeah, today was a little slower start since we didn't have anything we had to absolutely be there for first thing in the morning. So I think we actually got to the con today at like 10.30. About-ish, yeah. 10.30, 11 o'clock, so much later start. Uh, We'll probably be there very early tomorrow, though, so we'll make up for it. So today's really started off with, what did it start off with? My God, we I know I played World of Tanks again. <laughs> <laughs> we did play World of Tanks. Who, who was doing what? Well, it started off with, actually, Daxa got sidetracked is what it started off with. Because we went in, um, why did we even go in through there? That was, Oh, I know, we were going to get uh, to, the, the bags. The swag bags. We went in to get the swag bags because we wanted to make sure we had some swag to bring back to the fans for the bag that we always auction off after packs or give away after packs. So we went through there and then um, I discovered that Mountain Dew and Doritos uh, got together and they're doing kind of a, a game at packs where you have to go around and scan all these codes in all these random places and they're giving out some amazing prices prizes i mean the standard stuff hoodies and you know t-shirts and the new mountain dew and (laughs) you know things like that but they're also giving out um tickets for next year's packs which they redo every morning so they only have so many per day that they can that they give out and then they're giving out uh turtle beach headsets which is 4,000 points, which people have been getting in like four hours, five hours. You can scan enough codes to get 4,000 points. So yeah, that's getting, a dedicated four to five it's hours. It's a dedicated four to five hours. you are doing nothing but running around looking for these stupid little posters. And they give you some hints where some are. Mm-hmm. So they tell you some of those. But others are like in crazy locations or upside down. They're, they're underwater fountains. I mean, apparently they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to get that many points, and there's two, two ways you can use the points. One, you're either using them to just buy things in the morning, going over their stand and turning them in. The other is going to be for an auction that you guys are uh, taking place tomorrow where they're actually auction, auctioning off Xbox Ones. And every get, every two minutes. Every two minutes, but you get to bid, so you have to hope that you're in a bidding group that you have the most points because if not, then you're, you're not going to get anything. But the good thing about that is, uh, so for, you do have to pay to bid. So you, you pay 500 points, which I did, because I want to see what this process is like. You pay 500 points to bid, and then you, you get to be in a block. There's three different bidding blocks. I'm in block one. Um, so in, in that block, they will be giving out 10 Xbox Ones. So they're giving out one every two minutes, and then you get to bid for those. So I think that's 
actually marketing wise that is a really smart idea because i actually got to see more of the con going around finding these codes than i did the past two days and just trying to look at the con so it's it's brilliant it's actually quite the brilliant idea so we'll see how it goes and how how everything turns out but that's what i spend a lot of my day doing i got very focused on doing that but then we headed straight for um the world of tanks yeah but you weren't the only one that was doing that i definitely saw a lot of people running around doing it oh absolutely i personally have no interest in doing it (laughs) that's okay yeah that's fine every and you know it just goes to show you there's something for everybody at pax everybody everybody can find something to do so at the time we were going uh into the actual exhibition hall uh andre was at a panel at that time i believe yeah actually i went on i had to return some merchandise yeah. <laughs> uh, swap out some merchandise because um, uh, I changed my mind and the t-shirt I wanted to get for my, my little girl um, and I kind of explored some of the ex- exhibition hall and I got sucked into uh, the, the gunner like gaming glass like glasses right. and so I tried a couple of them on and I'm like you know what I do play enough games at night with uh, Grail over Skype yeah. that uh after the, I mean, I get basically when I jump into bed or you know I'm going in the bathroom, my eyes look like I probably had too much to drink and or smoke. So I said, you know, this is actually it's a lot of eye strain. So I've decided to give these things a try, and they were twenty percent off at pack. So um, I will let Grail and Daxa know how these fare uh, after I use them for a while. But hopefully, they will help my eye strain quite a bit because I I, start, I actually do experience that. But then afterwards. I met up with them and I said I'm going to go to see uh, the new Dragon Age Inquisition and um, it was really cool. So these are the points that I kind of got from that presentation and uh, Bioware basically did the presentation for everybody at PAX, they didn't live stream it. So they just said, you know what, take pictures, tweet, you know, put on Facebook. So they really want us, the fans here at PAX to publicize what was going to be, you know, what the presentation was about. and. It's going to be a brand new story arc. Uh, they also are going to release all of the artwork, or a lot of the artwork that's going to be in the game early. So, hey, fans, if you actually are big fans of the Dragon Age uh, genre and you actually, you know, maybe build costumes or do anything else, that artwork's going to be released to the fans. And so they said, keep check- checking the Dragon Age site for when that might be. Uh, and also, you're going to be playing as what is an Inquisitor. It's basically, if you know the storyline or don't. Um, you know, there's been wardens, and there's been, after the two Dragon Ages, there's been a, pretty much chaos throughout all of the land. And basically, another faction comes along and says, We need to take care of um, the rifts that are forming, and demons are coming out. So, this is basically Inquisitors, and they go out and try to formulate an army, put points of presence on the map, and uh, take over and help protect, protect the land while everyone else is kind of doing their own thing. So, they're going to have mounts. Uh, which is really cool because if you're play Dragon Age and you want to get from one place to another, you're running. And since these areas, this is going to be the largest Dragon Age game ever made. Um, I was in Crestwood, which is one of the starting areas they showed for the demo. That one area alone, which is only one area of the game, is larger than all of Dragon Age 2. So you can put Dragon Age 2 in this one area. So they said, run a few to. I said it's going to be like 50 minutes of straight running across the area of some of the largest areas to get from one place to another. It's like, we're going to give you mounts. Uh, that's just not fair to players, which is yeah. cool. 
Uh, there's going to be uh, new player races that you can play. Uh, the Quinari is one of them. So have you ever been wanting to play that race? That's good for you because now you get to play it. And what are the key factors? So I, they did a live gameplay demo. And I'm just going to give you a few of the takeaways I thought were really cool. Um, one of them is going to be that you have limited healing. So and if you play other Dragon Range uh, games, or the Dragon Age games, if you were to heal somebody, uh, you can he actually heal quite rapidly. So battles, you can go into conflicts multiple times and not really worry about being healed or not being healed. Now, if you were to, in this game, healing is only done very limitedly. So you have to be at either like a keep or you have to be... Um, you know, camping out, but it's hard to do those things. So you have to use potions to actually do any of those things, and those are limited. So what they, what they basically want you to do is, you have to risk encounters at your own at your own peril. So you might see some wolves or some animals or trolls or whatever, and you're like, well, my main quest, I know I'm going to need to complete. So do I risk going out and trying to fight these other creatures, which might incur me to heal? And then when I get to the main quest portion, I might not have enough heals to actually beat what I need to beat. So it makes you more tactical about actually what you do and what you want to accomplish in the game, which I thought was good. Uh, another thing too is that you can actually make your own equipment, and by making all of your own equipment, you can actually give it names. And all the, your companions are fully customizable and all their equipment that you want to give them, which I thought was really cool too. So it gives you basically unlimited playability for you and your companions since you can take one of your companions over in the game. So it, that's kind of nice. And then one of the best things I thought was also that when you're inside of uh, combat, you know, you can pause combat and kind of set up the strategy you want to have, but you always had to kind of take it from a third person point of view. Well, they're going to put a top person view now. So it's basically an aerial view and you can actually commit all of your moves and actually go live in that viewpoint and then switch back to third person at will. So if there is a lot of enemies behind, you know, obstacles and you want to find out exactly you know what spells or what traps to put down or whatever you can do it in either mode whatever's easier for you and pause it which is really nice because you know the game looks like it's gonna be quite hard or intense in some points some points and so it's, it's kind of nice for that to happen and then well the last thing I thought was really neat is that the inquisitors uh, since they are basically some portions of the I guess the country or the continent or whatever they don't have any points of presence at all so they actually take over keeps at some point. That was part of the demo is you watching them take over a keep. And once you do that, you can actually customize your keep. So if you ever played uh, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed has the idea of like if you take over a, uh, like you can be like a mercenary guild, you take these guilds over and you can make them um, like a mercenary, you can make them thieves, you can make them courtesans or something like that. The same concept applies. You can make them, uh, you, you can make it, like you uh, said, mercantile. Mercantile, uh, like basically a thieves guild or right. informational, like spies, and then military. Right. So that was kind of neat. You can, you know, kind of customize your keeps however you see fit, which makes the game replayable uh, and fits your play style. So it really is cool. It's going to be expansive. It's going to be out next year, though, So which is good for them to probably just show this off, get some buzz. Uh, if you really want to play it, I'm sorry, you can wait a year. Yeah. But the pre-alpha code that we saw did have some hiccups, so probably a good thing. But looking forward to the game. If you love Dragon Age, I think this game is going to be awesome. So I, I'm a big fan myself, so I'm, I'm looking forward to when this comes out. 
Uh, X looks like Xbox 360. Uh, they didn't say about Xbox One, and definitely probably the PC. Yeah. Well, I'll have to take a look at it because the Dragon Age Origin was really, really well done. It held my attention for quite a long time. And then Dragon Age 2 came out, and I was excited for it until I read every review, I think, available for it. <laughs> yeah. At which point I said, eh, maybe I can wait on this, because there was so much negative reviews, both on just them dumbing it down to fit it onto consoles, uh, reusing tile sets, you know, not a lot of variety in uh, the locations you visit, and overall just not as good of a story as they had in the first one. So, But... With three coming out, if three is really good, I feel like I need to fill that gap in between one and, and uh, three, where I would actually have to play two. Uh, it's definitely something I'll keep an eye out for a Steam sale, um, an Xbox sale, something. I mean, I'm sure it, it, it sounds like it would play just as well on either uh, console or the computer. So, we'll see. It, it, but three, if they can get back to the roots of one, I think they have quite the game on their hands. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, after watching the live demo, I really felt like playing one over again. Yeah. So that, if that's any indication, then hopefully that might help. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, read your reviews and see what you think. But I mean, if the the material that they're showing here at PAX are going to show in the future and maybe expand on it, uh, check it out. It's really pretty cool. Yeah. Because I remember it was, I was, you were a Grey Warden in the first game, so I'm curious why those guys aren't around anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, what happened to these guys? They worked so hard to help them. So that was cool. Uh, we did play a little bit of World of Tanks on the Xbox. Dax and I played that to see what that was like. Dax attempted to play that. Yeah, I, I, I was in the same boat. It was... I got smoked. People were smoking really, me left really and bad. right. It's kind of rude. I mean, they actually, in both the Xbox and then uh, Andre and I played the computer version of it. It's not like you're just playing against the people at the con. Like, no. they throw you out there with everybody. Yeah. And there were some really good players that smoked us really, really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I felt a little more comfortable on the computer than I did on the Xbox. But uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. It's really one of the first times... We've seen a true, uh, a big name free to play come to a console and try to see if the free to play model also sorry, uh, play out there. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it looked, it was harder than I thought to play, but I could definitely see the fun, mm -hmm. um, especially if you like historical, you know, weaponry or armor. It was really cool to just try different age tanks and see how they play against you know it's basically a free-for-all you probably know the game and what I'm talking about so uh, I would probably definitely try it again to see if I can actually I don't know destroy something uh, but it was good yeah shoot something yeah. <laughs> hit, hit anything hit anything at this point I was hitting buildings pretty good yeah, and I was run over running over stone walls really well show those buildings who's boss. that's right so. <laughs> Oh, okay. So outside of that, we well, uh, while Andre was the demoed yes. a uh, game as well, uh, which I know Dax had tweeted out on tonight, which would be Saturday night. Uh, it was called Noble Blood. Noble Blood. So it's a uh, card card game, um, competitive, two to three players right now, mm -hmm. and it is a game where you are a master vampire in charge of a lot of cute little vampires <laughs> well, based on the art style they're like 
basically what happened is um, the vampire for the town that you are currently in was killed and now there is a vacancy for a master vampire to take over this town. So you are attempting to take over this town right. of nobles. So right. there's a bunch of nobles that live so in So you town. have all these nobles, but you're playing the aspiring master vampire. Correct. So your job, and you you have a choice of four different ones, so each person uh, picks which one they want to go with. And, of course, they each have different stats and strengths and weaknesses. Uh, the whole game, though, resolves around resource management. Correct. Which is you're trying to build up your vampire minions who are drawn from the nobles of the town. At the same time, you have to keep everybody fed, so you have to make the choice every turn of actually uh, getting the van uh, one of the noblemen into your hand and then using them to either feed your vampires or turning them into a vampire, and thus now you have to feed them as well. And so it's really balancing those two things. And they each one also have certain family jewels, which just lends itself this to lots of jokes, jokes. <laughs> because you have to whip out the family jewels every so often exactly or, and you have to match the family yeah, jewels examine and... the family exactly jewels. so there's a lot that happens <laughs> with the family jewels but it's a big point component of the scoring so you're really trying to not only get nobles out but you're trying to match which ones have certain jewel colors or try to get a spectrum of the colors out so you get points from that you get points based on how many minions you have out on the table as well as how much blood you have so it's trying to combine all three and manage it and knowing like, okay, I can't just play this guy because if I do, I'm going to starve one of my vampires. So I have to, you know, uh, make use of that. And each vampire has a number rating as well, which determines how quickly it gets to act. So there's a lot of strategy that goes around taking a fast vampire that maybe can't hold a lot of blood, but at least he gets to go earlier, which allows you to pick at the, the pool of nobles each round quicker than your opponents. So it was an interesting game. It had a lot of depth to it. And the card art, the artistry on the card was very cutesy. Um, it's really cute. You know, they have the, they're like, you know, I, I, I know I've seen that type of artwork before. I just can't say what it is. But it's a very cute, semi-Japanese-styled um, uh, artistry for the vampires. <laughs> and it was good. It was fun. Daxa crushed me twice. So it, it <laughs> well, was she, a... she, won, she crushed myself and the person demoing the game the first game. And then we played just against each other, and you crushed me the second time as well. Yeah, it was really fun. It's a yeah. fun little game, and I think it's good for, it's good for all ages. I, I feel like you can play this with someone that's younger... And they'll get it, and they'll be able to kind of have fun with it. Or you can play it with, you know, like someone your own age and have it be a little more strategic. But it's just such a cute game, and it's really simple. And once you play it, you kind of get it. And I think it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. So they're actually, it's on Kickstarter right now. So I did send out a tweet about it. Um, it's got, I think, like 14 days, I said, yes. left on, on the Kickstarter. They're trying to get about $8,000 to together, and um, they had one of the um, one of the games here at PAX. Yeah. But only one. Right, right. So only one issue. And really, it was the, the, the creator prototype. happened to know the person that runs the Triwizard Tournament, and the person who runs Triwizard Tournament, Atlas, was really liked the game and was asking the creator if he was going to go to PAX to demo it and the guy was like what is PAX and so Atlas said give it to me I will 
I will go in your name and, and show people the game. So he was able to run several people through it mm -hmm. uh, today and uh, yesterday. So it's good that he's getting it's getting that exposure because obviously if you're doing a Kickstarter and you only have a couple of weeks left, you know any exposure would definitely help. But it was it was enjoyable. It was something you know I would definitely play again. Yeah, I would definitely kickstart it. I mean, it's I think the to get the game it's like seventeen dollars or twenty seven dollars, and it's it's a really good game. So it's yeah. a lot of fun. So highly recommend that. That's what we were doing while Andre was in his panel. Yes. So we covered all that. We met back up. We did a little uh, of the uh, World of Tanks. And then from there, I believe we went to Acquisitions, Inc. <clears throat> Unless I'm forgetting anything in between. No, that's right. Yeah. So we went to Acquisitions, Inc., which is, for those that don't know, the annual role-playing game where uh, Jerry and Mike, or Gabe and Tycho, uh, creators of Penny Arcade get together with Scott Kurtz who does PvP online uh, and then normally Will Wheaton however Will Wheaton was not uh, attending this year so they actually had a new character and I should probably have looked up his name uh, Rothus Patrick Patrick Rothus I think he's an author yeah um, yeah okay so we'll go with that playing a bard and it's run by uh, Chris, who works for Wizards of the Coast. So it's it's really over the top in terms of, like, it, in the essence of it, it is just your normal D&D game that you held around your kitchen table. But they have a lot more money to put on some theatrics, so they had some really impressive, uh, uh, yeah, Patrick Rothfuss. Mm -hmm. Rothfuss. 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 Mm -hmm. So... It was really well done. Again, they held it in the Paramount Theater in Seattle, so it's a gigantic theater that they fill to the brim mm -hmm. because there is just gigantic lines to get in there every year. And every year, it's one of those things, I think Daxa mentioned it, where you're kind of looking, you're going, I don't know if I really want to spend two hours in like one thing. And in this case, it was two and a half hours. And yet, at the end of it, you're like, I'm so glad I spent the two and a half hours at this one thing because it was really enjoyable. And every year it's the same thing. I know it's going to, and know they're going to go over time. They always go over time. It's supposed to be two hours. They never, it's never two hours. That one year was like almost three and a half hours. Right. And it just went really, really long. And we were upset it finished because it was so good. But I think the dynamics between Scott and um, uh, Gabe and Tycho are really, really good. And well, Will Wheaton's here. They're, all four of them are amazing. But I think. Patrick held his own. Oh, I mean, he did, he did a, a really good job. I, for it being, you know, the first time I see him in there. I know they did a, a couple of pregames before mm -hmm. that he, um, I think Patrick put on his website about it. But he did a good job. He held his own. It was, uh, it was quite enjoyable. And they do stream it, and they do podcast it. So if you go, um, where is it? At, actually, I know it's on Patrick's website, but they also put it on. Is it on the Penny Arcade website? I believe on Penny Arcade. You find the stream, the stream or download link, I should say. I'm sure if you Google Acquisitions Inc. It, and the, yeah. today's date, it will be on there. Yeah. I mean, they streamed it live, but I know they also podcast it. And it was so much fun. It's hilarious. They're so funny. But yeah, every year, it's just, it's like you're just hanging out with these four guys. Well, and we ended up, we, we forced Andre to go to that this year. Uh, because And it's one of those, it's really hard to explain why you should even bother to sit through it. Because it's like, yeah, there's four people, they're on a stage, and there's a guy running them through a D&D &D game. It's like, that doesn't sound much fun. I could just go play a D&D &D game. But we dragged him to it, and your reaction was? I, I, it, was it was pretty, it was really funny. I, I, you know, it, it, 
part of it was funny because it was reminiscent of me actually playing with friends when I was younger because you have these tangent conversations or just like something comes up and um, in the game and it, you know you take the jokes further than maybe the game should be taken uh, which happened quite a bit there yeah um, but so that was good but just the overall kind of camaraderie that these guys have uh, and the story was really cool so I mean I laughed a lot I cannot tell you that I was really excited to watch I was laughing all the time watching these guys play and I probably you know Graylon Daxon can say that when it was over like wow it was two and a half hours you didn't even notice and I mean that really means you had a good time so I mean everyone around me enjoyed it thoroughly so it was a it was kind of nice to be in a huge theater that was rooting for these guys when they had these certain actions or when they hit a crit like the whole theater erupts and they're like yeah so I mean it's it is really cool I guess I wish when I was younger and I was playing D&D I'd have like I don't know, four or five thousand people rooting for me when I would crit. Uh, that'd be kind of nice. Yeah. So. But how about all the ones where, when they were getting ones and twos, and everyone's like, oh. Yeah. Or you know, you get the you know every once in a while like, don't forget about the potion. Right. You know, <laughs> hint, hint from the crowd. But you know, it was it was really cool. So, um, yeah. I mean, we got uh, free ice cream. Yeah. On the way to the theater. Uh, lucky for us, and so we got. To, I got to eat a whole pint of ice cream watching D and D live. A whole pint of uh, chocolate chip. Well, it was the Elder Scrolls Online who decided to do a food truck again, and they had the food truck still out there, but we were just kind of walking by, and it seemed like they had a lot of ice cream left over because they were just handing it out as you walked by on the corner. So we get into the theater, and Dex and I, because of the way the seating worked, we ended up, she was sitting in the row in front of me, Andre was down off to the right, and you know, another row down, and these two kids were sitting, like maybe, I would say 10-year-old, 12-year-old yeah, kids, about that. Uh, are sitting in the audience in Dex's row, and they look back up at me, and they go, Where, how much did that ice cream cost? And I was like, well, it was free. They're like, what? And I was like, yeah, they were just handing out on the corner. And they're like, oh. <laughs> they were so cute. So Daxa, being the kind person, decided that, and well, first she asked if I would actually share my ice cream with her. When I confirmed I would, then she gave her them uh, her ice cream. And they were like, but there's two of us. And we're like, well, you're going to share. <laughs> You're not getting both the ice creams. Sorry, kids. And everyone around us was like, yeah. where'd you get the ice cream? It was so funny. Yeah. It was like it was the, a huge hit. Well, yeah. Ice cream. Well, because, yeah, everybody was like, oh, my God, I, I want to watch D&D &D and eat ice cream, ice cream the whole time. <laughs> I did not share. No. Uh, because I sat, I guess, around adults, and they weren't brave enough to ask me for it. No. So I was glad to eat the whole thing and watch it. But, yeah, yeah. I watched eat ice cream and watch D&D &D live, and probably is one of the best be honest, it's one of the best things I saw at PAX so far. Oh, yeah. It was just that funny. Yep. So, I mean, if you haven't had it, if you come to PAX for the first time, it should probably be a thing you do see. Now, if you do not have uh, the ability to get seats in early, you better line up early. Yeah. Because um, I saw the Dragon Age panel in the same, same theater, and that was uh, almost two hours before that talk, and there was already a line formed. So, right. word of the wise, if you want to see that, which I recommend you do, you know, spend a few hours, you know, maybe wait in line or have buddies, you know, trade line spots or whole line spots for each other. 
whatever you want to do with your strategy, but go see it. It's, it was it yeah. was worth it. So yeah, we uh, bring a portable gaming device and stand right, in line. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the few, the one things one of the things I would recommend as well doing that involves a line because a lot of the things that involve lines nowadays, I'm kind of like, eh, yeah. I don't really need to see that then. Uh, but this one is is definitely worth the the wait. So uh, we get, got out of there, ate some dinner, and then I think, you know, partially because it was something we wanted to do the previous night and partially because we just watched D&D, we went actually to the Wizards of the Coast area. Mm-hmm. And Andre and I checked out the Lords of Waterdeep game with the expansions on it. Before that, though, you guys went to do see the match. Oh, we did. Yeah, that's right. We actually were able to run over and catch the second playoff game for League of Legends. Yeah, the second semifinal game. So, second semifinal, it was Cloud9 versus Digitas. And unlike the previous day, these were just stomping games. The first game was decently close. It was close enough that it was like, wow, this is maybe an actual challenging game up until about 20 minutes and then it just the game flipped cloud nine got rolling team fights and destroyed them and then the second game we thought okay and they had a really early uh kill on cloud nine in the first in the second game and you thought okay maybe they are going to be competitive and then they rolled them way faster than they did the first game so it was but it was the best team in north america showing that they were the best team in north america yeah and apparently the previous match uh, TSM uh, basically beat Vulcan down pretty hard, I guess, two to zero, and this one was also a two zero. So it was fun to see again live. I mean, again, esports. I don't know how, when you have a chance to see it, but it was really fun to watch. And since it was really quick, yeah, um, you know, we got to actually do some extra stuff later, which was right. nice. So. Yeah, so we were able to kind of turn that and go, okay, well, we finished that really quick, so let's get some food, come back, play Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, Neither of us had actually played it before. We ended up playing a five-player game, and it took a good long while to get through. It, that was a long game. Oh, yeah. You guys were there hours, for a I, while. I would say, at least. Um, mainly, a lot of it had to do, we, we were just trying to get the rules under our feet. We are trying to read all these cards, figure out what they actually did. Yeah. Um, interesting game, though. It, it wasn't bad. It, it's, it's a competitive game, but really you're... A lot of your focus on is on how you can combo your own stuff. At least I found there, there was some ability to mess with other players, but it wasn't the overarching point of the game. It felt like to me. Yeah, it's a matter of basically the game is essentially you are a lord of Waterdeep, mm-hmm. and no one knows what kind of lord you are. Right. And each lord has a special ability when they complete when quests are completed that certain quests get bonus uh, victory points at the end of the game. So you kind of can assume what type of Lord people are based on maybe the quests that they're trying to accomplish more than others, if you really pay attention. Um, but the game is really you just try to complete quests and you gather resources on the board and those resources allow you to complete these quests. And then uh, each quest gives you victory points. And then at the end of the game, the person with the most victory points wins. I mean, that's pretty much right. the bare minimum explanation of what it is. It's a lot more complex, and there's a lot more uh, ingenuity in how you actually complete these quests mm-hmm. and how you play with the, the you know the system itself. But if you're looking for a, like a D&D cooperative or a competitive game with like, I think it's up to six people can play. Yes. Uh, you know, I think they recommend at least three. Yeah, um, and that would make sense. That would make sense. It'll be a game a little faster. Yeah. I think four would probably be the optimal number, 
Four's not bad. I mean, I think it works well because, I mean, it does get into the point where you could, a lot of it has to do with where you're sending your agents out. And only one, you're barring some very special events, only one Lord's agents can be at a certain spot at a given time. Right. So a lot of it has to do with the strategy of do I want to get this item or do I want to take this spot because I know somebody else is probably going to get there. And so you're denying them the resources they could collect from each spot. So the more people you have, obviously, the more limited the spots become. And, you know, you have to wait a long time before you get to set out your next agent. Yeah. So obviously with two or three people, you have a lot more choices in front of you. It's not as much about blocking the other person as it would be just optimizing your, your agent placement. Right, so the game might definitely, the game will probably play differently with right. more people. But just kind of like if you play any board game like Risk. Yeah. Uh, you play with six people versus just the three or four people, then yeah, you're gonna have a, it's a completely different game. Right. Um, but which is cool because it's a completely different game. Yeah. So I mean, why not? Yeah, but, I, th I think it's, it's not bad. But it's a very it's a it brings a lot of the cool D and D lore of Waterdeep, you know, the Forgotten Realms, into a board game. It, it's actually was a lot of fun. So would I play it again? Yes. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna play it again here at PAX. There's a lot of other things I want to do, but right. if you know, if I'm late at night or whatever, the next couple of nights, I'm like, let's just let's just do this again because I want to play better. Yeah. Uh, sure, I, I would do it. Um, I think hopefully next time we're in that area, I'd like to actually do the the next rules. Yeah. Pen and paper. Pen and, and paper, and then probably do that uh, that aspect of of the D and the Wizards of Coast area myself. Right. But, right. So that's cool. Yeah, and that was something at Acquisition Inc. They actually ran D and D next, so mm -hmm. which the the big change from the D and D fourth edition is there was no longer the map with the models and actually counting out your space. And it no longer was a board game, which is what kind of fourth edition turned into. Although they did have the sparkly map, they did have a sparkly map, and they did have <laughs> miniatures out there in a thing that I wouldn't call a miniature, it was a statue. It was a statue, and, like three feet tall. Yeah, a giant statue of this wizard. Uh, but they didn't actually have to worry about where they were placed. They mm -hmm. were just kind of demonstrating that these guys were here. So it went back into becoming very imagination-based, very storyteller-based, and not so much counting out hexes and, and measuring things and flipping ability cards and that type of stuff. So... It was good. It was good to see the you know the granddaddy of role playing games get back to being an actual role playing game. Yeah, it kind of went back to its roots. Yeah, mm -hmm. essentially, and um, it was fun. It was fun mm -hmm. to watch. Like I said it was you two and a half hours yeah. uh, watching these guys play. In the system or this new system and how it is, it didn't hinder that at all. The game flowed really well. Yep. Um, so if you remember D and D back in the days, this is pretty much how they're going back to, and it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to actually play it here yeah. at PAX. Um, and with a, I think they have a demo pre-made character yeah. little run through that mm -hmm. you go through and check it out. I'm gonna check it out. So hopefully in the next couple of nights we'll give you our opinions about those rules. Mm -hmm. So that'd be nice. I think we will. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, I think that was and that was the end of our night. Other than some more code scanning for Daxa, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, finished out with that. Uh, we're planning on bringing you guys. Uh, info and or recording of the press hour with Mike and Jerry tomorrow uh, and from there uh, we'll obviously give you guys a wrap up show tomorrow night so for that you have been listening to Casually Hardcore I've been Grail I've been Dexa and I've been Andre and take care